بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى سورة الزخرف سورة number 43 ايه number 26 اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ إِنَّنِي بَرَاءٌ مِّمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ إِلَّا الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي فَإِنَّهُ سَيَهْدِينَ Remember the time when Ibrahim السلام, said to his father and his people Indeed, uh, I am exonerated from whatever you are worshipping meaning the idols they manufactured, Ibrahim was not worshipping them, he was worshipping Allah, except the one who has created me. The idols you created, the idols are a creation of yours, and I am a creation of Allah, so I worship my creator, not the creation that you have created. For indeed, he is the one who's going to show me the way. He's the one who's going to guide me, and so on. So this is a Makki surah, surah revealed in Makkah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informing the Quraysh, and indeed, uh, the whole of Arabia, that Ibrahim is your forefather. You know Ibrahim, you know his story, you know his history, and you know everything about him. You claim to be the descendants of Ibrahim, السلام, but now let's look into Ibrahim and his life and his views. So when we look into him, we find that he does not correspond with anything you do. So he said to his own father or uncle and his own people that I'm not going along with the culture of your community, your society. I'm going to go against the grain because whatever you are doing makes absolutely no sense. You, you carve idols and then you put them in your temples, and then you worship them. This is ridiculous. Whereas I, I want to worship someone who is superior to me. The idol is inferior, and Allah, my creator, is superior. And since he is superior, he is going to guide me. Okay? So one is worship, and the other is guidance. Yeah. So guidance comes from someone who is above you, yeah. not someone who is equal to you, like other human beings, or someone who is inferior to you, like the idols. Guidance comes from a being who is far superior than you are, and that can only be the being who made me, who created me. And that is the being I am worshipping. <clears throat> yeah. So there, Allah, Ibrahim is saying, I have nothing to do with you and your uh, world view. Um, 
I'm treading another path, a path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this, he had this uh, fight, if you want to call it a fight, with his father and his people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him victory uh, over them, as we know. وَجَعَلَهَا كَلِمَةً بَاقِيَةً فِي عَقِبِهِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ And then we gave him uh, a good word, uh, a lasting word in his progeny. Um, after he died, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a good name in his offspring, that Ismail is a Nabi, Ishaq is a Nabi, Yaqub is a Nabi, and Yusuf is a Nabi. And the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, who came from Ismail is also a Nabi. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him this glory in this world even before the Day of Judgment that he is remembered as the father of monotheism, the father of Tawheed, and the father of all prophets who came after him. Mm. Yeah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it that any Nabi who came after Ibrahim al-Islam came from his offspring, whether it's the Banu Israel or the Banu Ismail. Yeah. That was the rule that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave as a gift to Ibrahim, that Ibrahim, since he did not go along with the society, he went along with Allah. Allah rewarded him in this world, even though he's there. MashaAllah, wherever he is in the barzakh and in the grave. <clears throat> so that they may return to Allah, meaning people will see that Ibrahim has been blessed even after he dies and leaves this world. And uh, this is a reminder for people that this is how Allah rewards people for being trustworthy and for being rightly guided. So they will see this as a legacy. Uh, having a good legacy is part of Iman. It's a Muslim civilizational value. As Ibrahim made dua for this himself. Give me a name of truth in those who come after me. Meaning having a good legacy is a ni'mah from Allah which should be sought and it should be something that you ask for. It's not something that happens by itself. You have to acquire it and procure it through dua and obviously through behavior and good character, etc. So if people around you can vouch for you that you are good, then that's the beginning of a good legacy. And people who now speak well of you after you die, that's a better legacy, and so on. Yeah, so that when you have legacies, you will see, oh, I want to be like that person. So then you have, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ You have people coming back to the right path because of these role models. Yeah. So role models help people come back to the right path. So it's good to have role models. So in the Muslim Ummah, you had role models. You had the Sahaba, you had the Ta'been, you had the Tabi Ta'been, you had the great scholars, you had the great fighters, warriors, and the philanthropists and everybody else, the authors, whoever wrote on Islam, about Islam, they are 
now our legacy. So they help us come back to the truth and the right path. So Allah is saying to the Quraysh that look at how Allah favored Ibrahim because he did not worship idols and he can favor you also if you take heed. بَلْ مَتَّعَتُ هَؤُلَاءِ وَآبَاءَهُمْ حَتَّى جَاءَهُمُ الْحَقِّ وَرَسُولٌ مُّبِينٌ yeah. But unfortunately the truth is that Allah subhanahu says that I gave them enjoyment, these people and their fathers, until the truth came. And then an open Rasul came. So the Qur'an is Mubin, very clear. And the Rasul is also Mubin, very clear. Okay, so the clear truth came, and the clear Rasul came, and the clear revelation came also. But even then, people did not return and come back to the truth. Uh, they remained stuck in their worldly views and in their, uh, what do you call it, myopic and short-sighted ideas of Success. Mm. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be let them enjoy themselves for a while. وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمُ الْحَقُّ قَالُوا هَذَا سِحْرُونَ وَإِنَّا بِهِ كَافِرُونَ And when the truth did come, yeah, and they saw the truth, then they said, no, this is not the truth. This is now magic. هَذَا سِحْرُونَ And we disbelieve whatever it is. We disbelieve the magic, we disbelieve whatever it is that you are reciting and whatever it is you have come with. We don't believe this is the truth, this is something of a disguise, this is some trickery that you are using and you are trying to mesmerize us and therefore we do not believe in anything. So they made excuses to deny the truth. And this is after Ibrahim وَقَالُوا لَوْ لَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِّنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنَ عَظِيمٍ And then these people, the pagan Arabs, both of Mecca and other places, would say that, you know, we have two great cities here. قَرْيَتَيْنَ عَظِيمٍ Two great cities. So these two, these here two great cities are now supposed to be the place where good minds come. And orators come, and poets come from these two great cities. Intellectuals come, and leaders come. Because in order for you to be a good person, an academic intellectual, you need to be raised in an environment that is conducive to that. You can't be raised in the Badia and be that way, in the, in the wilderness. So we have two great cities. One is Makkah, and the other is Taif. So now, Taif is a place where people are sophisticated and they have leadership there and they have ideas there, etc. And Makkah is a place which is now a magnet for all people of Arabia. They come here for the pilgrimage and we have uh, discourses, we have poetry, we have you know, people coming, given oratory performances, uh, etc. So if this was the case, then... Uh, why was this Qur'an not revealed to a great man from one of these two cities? So meaning that the message, if it is universal, must be carried uh, by someone who is known to be 
a thinker, an intellectual. This Muhammad is an orphan. He's not known for poetry. He's not known for intellectual discourse. He's not known for his oratory powers. So why is now God Almighty sending revelation to someone who is, for lack of a better word, an entity? He has no power. He has no prestige. He has no say in the leadership of the Quraysh or in the leadership of the people of Taif. So why has he been chosen? So that was a huge question. And that is the question that prevented many people in Mecca and Taif from believing in Muhammad because they didn't see him to be uh, eligible for this type of leadership. Mm, yeah. So there's, there's their contention. And unfortunately, their contention, as I said, dissuaded many people from believing in the Prophet so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down with a very stern warning against them. And he responds very sternly. Are they the ones who are distributing the rahmah of their Lord? That Are they in charge of distributing Allah's fadl, grace, honor, mercy, goods? goodness, etc., the khair, meaning they have no say whatsoever in the distribution of divinely welfare and divine uh, goodness. It is all in the hands of the divine. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls this exclusively. He does not give this distribution to people on the ground, people on earth. People on earth may control certain resources, very limited, and they may manipulate and they may exploit, but they do not control the divine uh, goods and goodness. The divine rahmah is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls that. But then Allah then comes out and says something else, نَحْنُ قَسَمْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ عِيشَتَهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا That it is we, we are the ones who distribute their livelihood in this world. Yeah. So their livelihood is also predetermined and fixed and now given to them in portions according to our divine plan and our divine distribution. So whether it's now mundane or whether it's divine, any kind of rahmah is distributed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his knowledge through his now idhan and permission so they control neither, although after distribution, they may control what has been given to them in terms of, as I said, manipulation and exploitation, etc. So Allah subhanahu wa say that the rahmah of Allah is, is totally controlled by Allah himself, and he is the one who distributes. So the Quran is saying that the ma'isha, yeah, the ma'isha, the life and the means of living in this world is also a rahmah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you should see it as a rahmah from Allah and use it and not abuse it. So people must appreciate that there is a standard of now what you call mundane intelligence and there's a standard of divine intelligence. Yeah, intelligence that is given by the divine. 
which is not acquired, uh, it is given. Okay, so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives intelligence and knowledge, that is his distribution, that's his prerogative. Uh, he does not need to follow the norms of the mundane community and society and then uh, uh, appropriate uh, and uh, distribute nabuwa and risala, prophethood, to the people that are honored by people. Hmm? Yeah, so this is not something that the government by the people for the people. It has nothing to do with that. It is now uh, governance by Allah for Allah. Hmm. Allah is the one who is going to send his messenger. And that messenger has to be uh, to the highest level of ethics and values uh, that no one else can reach him and everybody else can follow him. So this is how we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rahmah coming down from the heavens to the Prophet darajat. And we have raised the ranks of some of them over others. Yeah, meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives some money to some people and he gives more money to more people, to others. Yeah, so the people who get more money, they have been pre-assigned this money, not because that necessarily is a sign of Allah's acceptance, but it's still a rahmah, but it's not a sign of Allah's acceptance. وَلِيَ yeah, so that uh, some of them may now use and sometimes exploit sukhriya each other. Yeah, so that we say that this one has now a lot of money, he has now a company, and he will employ others so that they can get a share of that money also. So you have the employer and employee so that some of them may subjugate others this way. Right. So now this is how we see uh, the partnership amongst uh, workers and employers and so on. Right. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has raised the ranks of some over others. Some may have more than others. So those who have more will have the ability to hire those who don't or to use those who don't for their services and their needs, and that way they will be subjugating them and they will be using them for their service and sometimes exploiting them uh, at will. Anyway, so this is how Allah has arranged the affairs of the dunya, that some and those are few have more than others who are many, and that's how the nizam of the world works. The system of the world works only if some are given more and others are given less. So if everybody was given the same amount, then the world will not work. Yeah. So likewise, in terms of spiritual ni'am and benefits and uh, bounties and gifts, Allah has given more to some and given less to others. And that's how that system works also. So the one who has been given more, unlike the people who have been given more money, they exploit those who don't have money. Uh, these people who have more ethics and more values, they don't explo exploit the people who have been given less. They teach them, and they are very uh, compassionate 
with them and they benefit them. Okay. So this is the difference between those who are given spiritual or divine now means of living uh, as opposed to those who are given mundane means of living. Uh, and this is what Allah says, وَرَحْمَةَ رَبِّكَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ That the rahmah of your Lord is much better than whatever it is that they amass and that they gather and they collect in terms of money and stocks and shares and assets and everything else. So those are mundane forms of Allah's rahmah and the more spiritual forms of Allah's rahmah uh, they are much better than that because they are everlasting and they are much more beneficial for mankind than the mundane ones. So in the mundane one, you may give people some money as a gift or you may employ them or uh, you may help them, etc. But in the spiritual gifts, you will train someone and give them access to salvation, uh, which uh, no one else can give that kind of access other than the Anbiya and the awliya and those who follow them. Okay, so this is how this ayah is now coming down to the Quraysh that, uh, look, you know, you've you got things uh, all upside down. Uh, your worldview is messed up. You don't understand how things work, neither in the dunya nor in the akhirah. Yeah. So if we wanted to appoint somebody from one of these two cities, then we... Uh, have the prerogative to appoint anyone we believe is the best person and perhaps the only person who can now distribute this rahmah from Allah and receive the Qur'an, recite it and teach it and then help you implement it. Hmm. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this is now Rasulun Mubeen and there's an open Rasul so the Rasul, who is open and clear, explains everything clearly. So that you may explain to people what has been revealed to them. So the Prophet explained clearly the ayat of Allah to people. And since he did not hide anything, and he was trustworthy with worldly goods, he was trustworthy with spiritual and divine goods also. So the two come together there. Okay. So worldly integrity and divine or spiritual integrity go together. So if you don't know whether you can be trusted in a worldly issue, then you should believe that you cannot be trusted in a spiritual issue either. That's why the people who narrated hadith uh, made sure that the narrator did not utter a lie before they transmitted that narration from that narrator. So the narrator has to be with integrity, has to be, he must have amana, he must have trust, and he must be honest and have integrity. Uh, so if you don't have, likewise, they, they would measure and see what kind of business they were in and if they have a, had a business with this or how they behaved with their families sometimes, how they behaved with their neighbors. And they scrutinized their lives and they had files on the narrator's ilmul rijal, the signs of men. Yeah. So we filed and we profiled. 
the people who narrated hadith, so that the spiritual ni'mah uh, is now given only by somebody who has spiritual amana. But that spiritual amana is tried and tested by the standard of the mundane amana. So if you cheated and lied in business, your hadith was not accepted. If you behave badly with people, your hadith was not accepted. It, there will be a certain amount of weakness, doth in that narration and so on. So anyway, this is how Allah subhanahu is saying that yes, the system of the world works only when some are above others. Likewise, the system of the spiritual world works the same way in human beings that some are above others so that one will be a leader and the other will be a follower. This is how it works. This is our system. So we know how to distribute. Whereas you don't know how to distribute because you exploit people and you have a members-only club. Mm, yeah. The where is in Nabua, you don't have a members-only club. Everybody has equal access to membership. It's for everybody. Can you say that Islam is a members-only club? Yes, but everybody in the world has equal access to become a member. Mm, yeah. Whereas in the world, if you don't have this amount of money or this degree, then you can't be a member of that particular club. Mm? That's how it works. So the distribution in the spiritual realm is much more egalitarian than the distribution in the world, in the mundane world. Okay, there's much more justice and adal and ihsan in that world than there is justice and ihsan in this world. And the proof is in the pudding. Anybody who wants to access Allah's rahmah through salat, salam, zakat, and hajj, and iman, they're welcome to do so. Yeah. But anybody who wants to access the worldly goods, they're not welcome to do so. You have to meet certain criteria and standards, and then you have to behave in such a way that meets the requirements of that particular group. If you don't behave that way, and sometimes their behavior is atrocious, and if you don't behave that way, in a very devilish way, then they won't even consider you to be part of their group. And so, anyway, yeah. This is how Allah SWT is saying to the Quraysh, that you think you know how leadership works and how to take care of people, that had people been one nation, one community, huh? yeah, then we would certainly have made, for those who disbelieve in the Rahman, we would have made them, yeah, many um, uh, roofs of uh, silver and many stairs and stairways mm, from which they could ascend. That we would have given them, would have given them plenty of glory and luxury in the world. Um, is a, Meaning that if this was the case, that anyone who disbelieves in the Rahman is privileged, then how come not too many people in your community are privileged? Only a few people are privileged. So that is not your distribution. That's not Allah's distribution. 
you know, if this was not, everybody has to be equal on equal footing. وَلِبُيُوتِهِمْ أَبْوَابًا وَسُورُرًا عَلَيْهَا يَتَّقُونَ We had made for them in their houses many gates, many doors, okay, and many sofas, places of sitting, سُرُورُ عَلَيْهَا يَتَّقِئُونَ That they would have reclined and leaned against those sofas and those satis, as the translator here says. They would have lived in luxury and in comfort, etc. Wazukhrufa, which is where the name of the surah comes from, and solid gold ornaments. That you would have gold ornaments all over the place because gold is a value that you value and everybody else in the world values and so on. So if this was the case, that Allah wanted everybody to be one, then he would have given these people who disbelieve in Allah the most because you feel that since you disbelieve in Muhammad وسلم, you have become privileged and you are honored. Whereas Muhammad وسلم, is not honored with worldly goods, therefore people who disbelieve in Muhammad will be honored. Yeah, so that is the wrong way to look at things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that that's very, very uh, short-sighted. وَإِن كُلُّ ذَلِكَ لَمَّا مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا You must know that all of that is nothing except the means of enjoyment for this world. Mm. Yeah, that's all it is. There's just a few you know, yeah, poor pieces of worldly goods that benefit you and it's very temporary. It's not everlasting. It's not long-lasting either. وَالْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّقِيمِ The truth is that the Akhirah, the other world, so you have Hayat dunya which is this world, and you have the Akhirah, which is the other world. The delayed world, in the eyes of your Lord, is for those who have taqwa, for those who are God-fearing, yeah, for those who believe in Allah, and they do everything to please Allah for them, their result and their outcome and their destination is much better because Allah will give them all of these goods with much more splendor in Jannah. So in Jannah, it will be beyond their imagination. Uh, the human mind is not capable of conceiving, perceiving what Jannah is. And with that, if you have taqwa, Allah will give you that. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the ornaments of gold has to be understood that not everything that glitters is gold. Sometimes things that glitter are very deceptive and we must appreciate the deception and stay away from that and not be beguiled and deceived into yeah, trying to procure all of that deception which is the only purpose of people who don't believe in Allah. And then amongst the people who don't believe in Allah, there are still various degrees. Is it that every non-Muslim is privileged? Or do you see that more non-Muslims are less privileged? Also, I mean, the system is the same whether you're Muslim or non-Muslim. As you see in this country, so many people... Allah help them, help us, are now living in poverty, they are homeless, they don't have insurance, they have nothing, 
they don't even have food. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, that's not a sign that Allah is favoring them, nor is it a sign that Allah is now angry at them. Yeah. So Allah's favor is with those who believe in him, regardless of the worldly affairs. Okay. Yeah. So if you are believing in Allah and you just have a few morsels, then that is a sign of Allah's favor because the belief is Allah's favor. Yeah. The morsels, that's part of the distribution of the dunya. This may come and go and you will receive whatever you earn and whatever you struggle for. As far as the akhirah, Allah will go give that to those who have taqwa. Mm. That whoever turns away from the mentioning of the Rahman, yeah, from the dhikr of the Rahman, from the remembrance of the Rahman, mm. we will assign a devil for him. And the devil will be with him all the time. Yeah, that we will limit him to a devil, restrict him. Right? So this is and he will be his companion. So this could be psychological in your mind that the devil runs through us as blood runs through our veins, as the Prophet said. So this is now the way for Muslims to understand Allah's Rahmah is in the dhikr of the Rahman. And when the dhikr of the Rahman is not there, then the devil will penetrate and infiltrate and he will come in. He will deceive, he will exploit, and he will destroy. Uh, this was main, meant by he becomes his companion. So the devil will make sure that the person for whom he is a companion, is now totally destructive and does not think about the akhirah whatsoever because there is no dhikr there. So this is the power of dhikr, the power of mentioning, remembering the Rahman, the one that is now going to forgive and allow people to enter his jannah. So a person who turns away from this uh, psychologically and invariably a devil comes in. Yeah, a devil comes in, creeps in, and becomes now his mentor. Qareen means also a mentor. He becomes his mentor. Uh, he guides him or misguides him. And he tells him to do this and he tells him to do that. And so this is how Allah SWT is saying that uh, psychologically you have to overcome this disease of being misled by the devil and his insinuations by the remembrance of Allah. Uh, if you remember Allah, Allah will come. Mm. When you mention Allah, فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ Remember me, I'll remember you. That is one of the greatest ni'mah of dhikr. That when you remember and think of Allah, Allah is remembering you. So when Allah remembers you, then there's a ruh, there's now rahmah. There's nur and there's guidance. When Allah doesn't remember you, then there's only other, one other being that's going to now 
come into you, and that's the devil. The devil waits for an opportunity to come inside your house and rob you of all the good things that you have in your house, like iman and taqwa and good deeds and charity and salat and salm and zakat and hajj. He's going to rob you of all your assets. He's going to then make sure that he tells you he's going to be your wali and your protector and your qareen, your mentor. So how do you avoid this? The Qur'an gives us a solution. Dhikrul Rahman. The dhikr of the Rahman. Remember Allah, think of Allah, and think of his inamat and blessings and be grateful, and then work towards procuring Jannah and develop some taqwa, then you will be now removed from the claws of the devil. Otherwise, you will become the devil yourself. So this is how it works. And obviously, then if you have a devilish life, then you're going to be in the company of other people who have devilish lives. And you'll have your own company and your own club and you become a party to sin much more than you can imagine. So now the word qareen there, obviously, companion, a mentor, a friend, if you want, in the wrong sense. And then you follow that insinuation. Yeah, because you don't have the dhikr of Allah in your heart, in your mind, on your tongue, then you are left to the devil. Uh, so the devil now is only going to exploit you when he knows he has something in you to exploit. Yeah, as the ulama say, uh, that the, if there was now two houses on the street, one house has all of the goods of the world in it, and the other house has nothing, is empty, then which house will the burglar enter? He's not going to enter the house which has nothing because there's nothing to burgle there. He's going to enter the house which has everything, and that is the house of the believer's heart. So in the believer's heart, there's Iman, there's Nur, there's Taqwa, there's Quran, there's Sunnah, and there's the Prophet and everything else. So the devil will come and burgle you. He's not going to burgle the kafir. There's nothing there to burgle. <laughs> Right, so this is how we see that the devil is now waiting for an opportunity to enter a person's mind, a person's heart, a person's life. So this Karin becomes your life companion, and he won't let go of you. He's very possessive. Yeah, this shaitan that becomes a Karin is very possessive and won't let go of you at any time until you struggle and you struggle and you get rid of it through taqwa and dua and dhikr. وَإِنَّهُمْ لَيُصُدُّونَهُمْ عَنِ السَّبِيلِ وَأَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ And indeed, they, meaning these devils, will prevent people from the right path and they will assume that they are rightly guided. So they will do things believing, assuming that it is good. Yeah, it is khair. Even though, in fact, it is sure, it is evil. And that's unfortunately the plight of everybody who doesn't believe in Allah, in the Prophet وسلم, uh, that people assume that whatever value they have is good, yeah, whether they are approved by the Quran and Sunnah or approved by a universal standard of virtue also, and they will assume that it is good. So people who now, uh, what do you call it, don't have the ability to make tawbah and have uh, the idea of introspect, Mm. evaluating themselves mm. 
So there's a process called muhasaba uh, that we have in Islam. Uh, introspection, judging oneself, uh, asking the question that am I right, am I right, am I right? Uh, if that goes and you assume that you're always right, then you are more than the devil. Okay? You are now the devil's mentor. Uh, he doesn't need to work on you anymore because you don't want to have introspect. Yes, that's why the awliya of Allah always have introspect and the Prophet said that I seek forgiveness from Allah a hundred times a day. That's called the height of introspect. Maybe I made this mistake, maybe this is wrong, maybe this is not correct, and maybe this is not the best way, and so on. So the, the, the Islamic civilization value is that you must have istighfar, part of your DNA, tawbah, seeking forgiveness. Once you lose that, then you assume you are on cloud nine, and you assume that everything you do is correct. And no one is there to tell you that you are wrong. And when people tell you that you are wrong, then you defend yourself. And you become very rude and arrogant and sometimes violent. Right, so now, you see is that uh, people in mainstream America here and in the West assume that everything they're doing is correct and is good and is khair and there's no evil in there and people must comply with their evil. Uh, people must cooperate with their evil. Mm. So this is now the shaitan who becomes the khareen is now insinuating and uh, you know, impressing on them that they are rightly guided. Uh, all of these gay rights things and so on. Now unfortunately some Muslims are, have become party to that and they also assume it's right. And so on. this is when the devil comes in. So the problem there is that they don't remember Allah there's no dhikr of the Rahman, and there's no taqwa, and therefore their mentor now convinces them that everything they say and do and think is correct. Not just correct, but the ideal. And not just the ideal, but something that the, it has to become universalized. You've universalized this, that God forbid somebody in another country does this to this group of people, then they are wrong, and they should be now taught a lesson, and so on. So this is now the height of uh, uh, misconception and misguidance. But that comes from the initial value that the Qur'an is saying, whoever turns away from the dhikr of the Rahman. Mm. So the Rahman becomes your Rabb, your Lord, and in terms of tarbiyah, you're always going to have points of introspect everywhere. Even if you're rightly guided, you're going to have introspect. You must have muhasaba. You must make hisab of yourself. Am I right here? Am I right here? Am I right? So without that istighfar, there's no progress. So that's why you follow the Prophet ﷺ. If he made istighfar a hundred times a day, you should do two hundred times, or maybe five hundred times, or maybe a thousand times, because he never committed a sin, neither a minor sin nor a major sin. And if he is now infallible and he is now repenting, then who are we to say that we are not committing mistakes and sins all the time? This is the dhikr of the Rahman. The remembrance of the Rahman should inspire you uh, to be a person who is always eager uh, to correct himself all the time. Okay? So this is the idea here. That zukhrufa, that it is now ornaments of gold, the gold is now glamorous, it glitters, and is very attractive and very seductive. So you must move away from that and see 
what it is that you need to do with the gold. Uh, the gold is an asset, is money, what is value, uh, but you can't eat it. It is very heavy, and how do you transport it? And so on. So likewise, you will see, what is the guidance with gold? So the Prophet asks him, if you have gold, you must give zakat, and so on, and you must distribute uh, the goodness from the gold to other people. And that's how you remember the Rahman. So this the revelation is Mubin. It is clear, it is open. Likewise, the Rasul is Mubin. And he is very clear and open. And with that open message, uh, Muslims, alhamdulillah, are guided. Yes, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala us to recite the Qur'an, to understand the Qur'an and to implement the Qur'an the way we are asked to do so. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatika, Ya Rahmatullah.